All right, you're back in the DFSR with an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there... James Davis. It is James Davis. I forgot the is. I'm a little thrown off today. It's January 2nd, feeling a little cloudy from New Year's. Not like not like it was a crazy party or anything like that, but I feel like just staying up till midnight these days is... Uh, it's almost a bridge too far. I don't know about you. How do you do that? <laughs> is that, is that, I feel like the more people I was like kind of talking to and just kind of texted with on New Year's Eve or just like in our chat room and stuff like that because there's a basketball slate. seems like the general consensus is that like no one, th- I guess you reach a certain age and that's just the end of going out for New Year's Eve, right? Or like, well, we, or- went, to, we went to a fat New Year's Eve party. It was a uh, Roaring Twenties themed, Doug. It was in our friend's barn. Oh my God. The Moni's barn. A lot yeah. of work. A lot of work. Oh, dude, the amount of work they put into this, I... It looked like a full-time job must have been undertaken. There was a, what are those things called? The, ah, this is, I'm blowing it. Those things you can like attach to a car. It's like a winch, winch, tin, I don't know, whatever. It's something you can tow a car out of a ditch with. They had an automated ball drop using one of those things. Yeah, they had the whole nine yards. So our family gets there and, you know, my uh, my middle son, he's like a, a CEO who insists on going to bed right at 7.30 every yeah. single night. So he forced... Uh, my wife had home early with him and the youngest one so they can get to bed. And then me and my oldest son, we stayed, we were planning on trying to stay till midnight and I was just dead on my feet. Like my oh, feet yeah. were just sore from standing the whole time, which is a very old man symptom. And then after that, I was just like, dude, it's like 10, 15. My eyes were like glazed over. I could have just like taken a nap on the couch right there. So, so we rolled out and I wondered what kind of psychos we're going to stay there but yeah i can't hang with the person i I definitely can't hang with the person that plans that kind of party for sure um that's just so far outside of whatever i can even reasonably imagine doing as a person uh so that that's for starters but the second part yeah i i made it to like one o'clock anyway new year's eve regaling you with new year's eve stories let's get into an nfl weekend playoff sleep it's a little weird because FanDuel separated its bigger contest between just Saturday and just Sunday. Uh, they do have a full weekend kind of thing, but it's not the contests are much smaller. DraftKings keeps it the whole weekend. They both have late stops, so I'm not sure exactly sure why FanDuel did that. But anyway, either way, we're going to roll through game by game, talking about these playoffs and sort of lineup construction as well, because we didn't do a cash game podcast this week. And lineup construction gets a little weird this time of year because these are all good teams, right? Like for the, for we, spent, we spent a whole year or a whole season talking about, well, you know, faces play these guys against the Dolphins and play, you know, these guys against, you know, the Falcons at times or whatever the, whatever the bad defenses are. But now we get to the playoffs and that the bad defenses don't really make the playoffs. And so do you find that lineup construction in the playoffs, especially with smaller slates, is it become, does it make it just so the, the top plays just stand out? We also have some injury stuff we have to deal with here, but does it, do you inevitably have to just kind of suck it up and say, well, we might just need to run some guys against New England. Like I get that they're a great defense and all, but and we never would consider this in cash during the regular season, but now we're just in a position where we're just our, our hands are kind of forced because of the, who the teams that are left. Yeah, particularly on a two-game slate, the Saturday game slate was the one that I kind of focused on in our preparations for this weekend. You get this odd combination of basically three good defenses in Buffalo, Tennessee, and New England, and then Houston has been sort of whatever. But then you also have some bad offenses too, and that makes it so... The pickings get pretty slim pretty quickly. So the teams that have put forth a, a competent DFS roster, uh, primarily Tennessee and Houston, are going to become overrepresented there. So yeah, this is, you know you you do sort of throw out the rules of the regular season once you get to these really tiny NFL slates, and once you get there, it's mostly a matter of survival and trying to get a lineup submitted that's not 
including anyone who gets like two targets a game or something. Right. So, so that's kind think, of our priorities for now. I do think there's going to be some chalk plays as well, um, just because I think there are some there are some guys that just do stand out as better than the rest or maybe safer than, than the rest of what we're looking at here. Let's roll through these games. The first one on Saturday is 435 Eastern. The Bills go in and play the Texans. Both of these teams basically sat everybody in Week 17 uh, with really nothing to play for on either side. Their fates had already been sealed going into the playoffs. Texans started as three-point favorites. That is down to two and a half. The only real injury news to note here, I think, is just about Will Fuller's status, and it looks like Fuller is going to play. Uh, with, with him playing, he's been in and out. This, this guy's got so many injuries. Now, he's clearly... Um, can perform when he's when he's healthy. He's a really really good wide receiver. It does does ding, ding into Hopkins. What are some of your thoughts on this game? You know potential plays that we can make between the Bills and the Texans. Sure. Yeah. So let's start with those Texans because I do think they're one of the more interesting teams on this slate. Uh, and I think the passing game is a pretty good place to start. The fundamental question I think many people are going to ask themselves on Saturday is which quarterback wide receiver pairing they're going to try to target for big tournaments but also potentially for cash games and by my estimation the options come down between Watson and Hopkins or Tannehill and AJ Brown and I think many people are going to lean in this Watson Hopkins direction even though our system isn't there so far and I, I think it just makes sense I mean Watson in particular we know that when they take the reins off of him that you can see those seven to ten carry games and you were seeing those in mass when Houston was still playing for something. And then obviously it sort of tailed off towards the end of the season when their you know, their path was pretty well carved out. So I do think you could see a return to greatness for him. I mean, he was sitting very solidly in that QB2 slot throughout the season. And given the sort of downward trending performance towards the end of the season, uh, you've seen the price come down quite a bit as well. I think actually Fuller makes things easier on both Hopkins and of course Watson as well too because you know he's just another big receiving target who can draw attention away from Hopkins who can kind of open things up. So I think Fuller coming back actually is a boon for this whole offense and I think if Fuller does come back I think you're going to want to play him in cash too because he's really really cheap. I think he's 5500 in the Saturday slate on FanDuel. And that's a price point that's going to be tough to avoid here. Yeah, 4900 on DraftKings. I think you play them on both sites. It's close, I think, just because of the prices um, between Watson and Tannehill. I mean, we, have, we have Watson projected for you know full more than a full point uh, higher in terms of on FanDuel uh, than, than Tannehill. Obviously, Tannehill gets the worst matchup here against the Patriots just by comparison. But I do think from a safety perspective, Watson feels like the safest play on the slate. You might have to be you might have to just pull a Carlos Hyde running back situation here if you're playing the FanDuel only slate just because there's very few running backs you can trust here. Um, although yeah, I, I, br- I broke down those running backs, and I think you're sort of right here. I think especially when you look at the price points, um, basically you're, the four guys you can credibly choose are Hyde, Singletary, Henry, and Sony Michelle. I think Sony Michel is the worst of that group by a fairly significant margin, actually, uh, just because he's the most expensive of those cheap guys, and he performs just as well as them. Like he's he's no better than them. So I don't think you want to go there. And I think you know between Michelle Hyde and Singletary, the usage is all pretty similar. You know the matchups. Uh, you can make quibbles about the matchups. You know Singletary probably has the best matchup going up against Houston, but. Yeah, if you're picking that last slot, if you find that you can't afford Derrick Henry, and I think it's going to be hard to do that, if you want to take a big quarterback and a big wide receiver, then yeah, I think that Hyde is going to come across a lot of cash game lineups, which is something 
that I at least did not do a single time this season. Yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm. It's not something that's exciting. By the way, this is a weird situation that we're, the way we have to talk about this because we have to make two distinctions. I, Carlos Hyde is not a DraftKings play, right? Okay, so I'm. In this case, I'm speaking strictly about FanDuel. It's funny about the, the way this breaks down. There's many more uh, fantasy relevant guys on the on the Sunday game, so I think so. When I, it's almost like when it's almost like we're splitting it up. It, it, almost, it just kind of works out this way. So when I'm talking about some of these guys, I'm really speaking mostly about Saturday because most of the DraftKings plays, I think personally, come from the Sunday slate. So it's just a little weird because of the way DraftKings and FanDuel kind of set this up. Sure. Um, I, I will say Singletary for me, probably through the weekend, um, is one guy that's close to a lock. He. The Bills finally, when they when they when it was really on the line, and when they really wanted down the stretch, when they played Baltimore, when they played Pittsburgh, when they played New England down the stretch of the season, Singletary became their basically every down back. In Week 16, he took 52 of the 54 offensive snaps. Um, Frank Gore was nowhere to be seen. So if the plan all along had been to kind of save him to the playoffs because they thought they were going to make it here, or it just kind of worked out that way, um, I do think Singletary is a great play here, and I he's a guy that I would consider on both sites throughout the weekend, definitely full, definitely 100% on Saturday. Do you think people will kind of talk themselves into Josh Allen here? Allen is coming a little cheaper than Watson, more expensive than Tannehill, not as accurate, but does have that running stuff that we've, we've kind of gravitated toward and has, even with low pass attempts, has been able to really put up some fantasy points. You know, how, does, how does he compare to Watson for you? Yeah, I view him as a playable option for sure. I think he's sort of... He's just sort of in this middle area where if I'm taking a running quarterback with some passing upside, I'm just going to take Watson at a couple hundred dollars more. I just think yeah. I just feel like that's sort of the more secure option. I actually think it's pretty close between Allen and Tannehill. I think those plays are very, very similar in my mind, and I would probably lean Tannehill just because sometimes in the playoffs, you know, having those electric weapons around you winds up being the big difference maker. And I just see Tannehill's weapons as better, you know, between Henry uh, establishing things on the ground and then being able to turn to A.J. Brown in the air. I don't know that, you know, John Brown's been a nice player this season. He's probably playable from a DFS perspective on the Saturday slate as well. But just that offense, man, I, I could I could just see a, a world where Buffalo scores nine points. And I don't want, right. I don't think I want to be uh, investing in my Josh Allen shares in them. But, yeah, I agree with you on Singletary. You know, his path sort of reminds me of Miles Sanders and the way some of these other teams have used young running backs this season, which was, you know, slow and steady early on. And then they kind of take on the mantle of greater responsibility towards the end of the season. Frank Gore, I mean, when he has lingered around, it's just been absolutely terrible. So I yeah. think I think Singletary definitely in line for a growth in carries here. Yeah, uh, and we, you know, just not a quickly to John Brown. Brown is a double-digit target guy when things are going correctly. Uh, he's not he's not on lock, just they don't really have enough of a passing volume, but he's clearly the best receiver. Uh, I think he is definitely for FanDuel a cash game play as well. All right, let's move into the uh, Tennessee and New England game. Tennessee, uh, no, excuse me, New England is five-point home favorites here. It started there and it's, stick, it's stuck there uh, with the over-under 43.5, now up to 44. New England obviously stumbling, going into the playoffs here, lose a brutal. I mean, we were cheering. like I, I felt like we were cheering for the Dolphins, <laughs> like it was their Super Bowl, and like the Dolphins were playing like it was their Super Bowl last week. I don't know why I was so invested in them winning. I don't, I don't really care about you know stuff like fans, stuff like this. And it just seemed like such a cool story. Made it made it a little easier that it seemed like everyone was kind of cheering, <laughs> cheering for them in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it kind of reminded me of that last one, the year that New England was going to go undefeated. And they played the Giants, and the Giants were just giving their absolute all the last game of the season. But uh, maybe, maybe just everyone just hates New England so much. Uh, but we walk into a situation where New England has had a top defense all season. They haven't looked 
all that great lately, but they, and I don't know if some of that, like how much of the defense early was just built on just playing just totally like, the easiest schedule this season. I, I get they were a really good team this season, but they played the, the NFC's or AFC's is terrible. They played some other terrible teams. Um, you know, how much credence do we put into that and in the situation going here with Tennessee? Because I, I do not want to play Derrick Henry in cash. And there's a situation where Tennessee says, hey, the way we're going to win this game is we're going to run him 30 times or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's mm-hmm. going to be weird. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think we're going to trend to do to tend to do it this way, but I could see people taking that path. But it would really worry me running into this defense. Yeah, it would worry me as well. I will say that the Pats this season were quite a bit better against the pass than against the rush. And I think it's worth asking, you know, is this Patriots defense the same defense that put up those historic DVOA numbers in the first 12 weeks of the season? I mean, like I I was sitting there transfixed at my screen on that last drive from Fitzpatrick where he's just passing to Devontae Parker. And it's just looking like, you know, Gilmore was looking like Ike Taylor out there from my old Steelers days. Just like, just no idea where Parker was going to be. He's six yards off him as he catches a little out pass. I just... I couldn't really put together, I couldn't square the circle of, well, is this really the best defense since like the 85 Bears? Because man, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker are looking real special here. And so, you know, we know that football is a different game than many of these other games. You know, team-wide fatigue is, is a thing. This defense has had to carry the offense all season long. And at least in that last game of the season, and a few leading up to it, the defense didn't look nearly as untouchable as they did earlier in the season. So I guess the big question is, are they, is this the game where they step up or on a short week, you know, going from Sunday to Saturday, is it just going to be too much for them to handle? You know, this excellent ground game from Tennessee, plus the explosive threat of Brown on the outside. So I think uh, on a two game slate, I just don't know that you can fade Titans altogether here. Yeah. I kind of want from a full weekend standpoint, I want no part of this game. Uh, that, that there's nothing I that there's, makes sense. there's nothing I'm interested in here. Uh, from if, even and, and I'm saying that knowing it's only a four game slate, I'm, almost on a two game slate. There's almost nothing I want going here. It's just the the Patriots are for the starters. The Patriots offense consistently is a mystery. Um, you do not know their plan. It's what makes them tough tough to beat in the playoffs. You don't. No one can predict their plan. Like you know the Tennessee plan. It's like they're going to want to run the ball, okay? They, they've kind of stamped it on their foreheads and said, this is, like, what our plan is. It's and pass to A.J. Brown. And pass to A.J. Brown. It's fine. And it's fine. You can yeah. you can signal what you want to do and still be effective. It's not, you know, we're going to talk about the Saints here shortly. So, like, you, there's ways that gets done. So, I get that. But this, the Patriots are never, have never been that. And so, you think you're going to get, oh, you think the plan is to do this? Well, now Sonny Michelle is going to get 20 carries. Oh, you thought Sonny Michelle was going to get 20 carries? Turns out James White's just going to play every snap, right? <laughs> oh, here's Rex Burkhead. Like, so well, it's, this- it's even worse than that this week, too, because, like, at least those times in the path, or in the, in the, in the paths, in the past, that's how you can rearrange those letters, paths to past. That's why my math did. Uh, if you rearrange, <laughs> okay. If you go back and look in the past, you can see games like that game against Kansas City where you're like, Edelman, baby, 12 targets on lock, and then he has a bad game against Cincinnati. But there haven't even been the good games recently, right? right. So if you're not even getting the good games, what what are you hoping for? You're basically trying to catch a falling knife and say, well, no, this is the week Edelman returns. But on a short week where they just got their butts handed to them by a terrible Miami team, I just don't see how you can even consider playing a single Patriot in really any format so and we've been on Edelman I, we've been wanting to play we play the Edelman almost all season uh in cash just because the target share but has been so high so no one's really been as high like from a PPR perspective no one wants to play this guy more than we do but he even just I hate to have the eye test thing here but the eye test plus the results over the last couple weeks for him really do signal that he's just hurt 
right? <laughs> like he he's been yeah. Very... And we, we set we set Edelman down after that Cincinnati game. I think we played him in that one, and then we realized like, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. After that, it was after that, right? After it was, I was, sorry, we didn't we we didn't uh, we didn't ride that all the way through the season. I'm saying earlier in the season, uh, I think we were more aggressive on him than other outfits because I thought the targets were really so important. Uh, you know, over the last two weeks that we've been off that train, and I think it's correct. And I they needed that buy, they didn't get it, and I think that he's just still playing hurt. I don't want to play him in cash either. Look, if he comes back out and he looks healthy, he's still on the injury report with limited practices. If he comes back out, looks healthy, and gets targeted 13 times, okay, uh, I'll I'll live with the, the fact that we didn't play him. I think, but um, overall, I just I think from an overall perspective. I'm just really not fantasy wise all that don't want to play Brady. Don't really want to. Okay, I made it clear. Well, in fact, the fact that you can't play any Pats is also why you sort of have to play some Titans because you can't only play players from two teams yeah. <laughs> on a two game slate. And I I agree or I believe that the Pats are a full cross off as a team for DFS purposes, which means you're just going to wind up with some Titans and Bills and Texans. And I think that's kind of you have to be aware of that going in. And so. If you're looking at this game and you're uncomfortable, and maybe it's reasonable uh, to run offensive players into this New England defense, or if you're uncomfortable, you know, trying to guess at which Bill is going to put up big numbers and maybe take the slate off. But I do think that there there is a profit to be made here. Um, one final thought here on the Tennessee side: if you think that the if you do think that the Patriots um, kind of their plan is just to take away AJ Brown and do you know cut off AJ Brown's head and do business with the rest. Um, I think that there is a Corey Davis upside game in here, mm. and because um, we've seen this before from the Patriots, not the Devontae Parker thing aside, um, we've seen this before where they say, well, okay, we're just gonna we'll double team your best receiver and then we'll put single coverage on the other guy, which could be problematic. But um, I do think you look if they if, if the ball's got to go somewhere, I don't mind Corey Davis as a pivot. I wouldn't do it in cash. Okay, let's get into the Sunday games. Uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, Minnesota goes in and plays New Orleans. From a full weekend perspective, excuse me, uh, New Orleans is 7.5-point home favorites. Oh, no, started at 7.5, now up to 8 with a 49.5 over under. Easily the most projected points by the Saints in the slate and easily the highest total here. Uh, from a full weekend's perspective, I think you just got to stack Kamara and Michael Thomas. Uh, I don't think, especially on DraftKings, I, I, there's not, there's no real functional reason for me to not play those two guys 100% in cash lineups. If I had to, if I thought I was running out of money and I had to choose one, I would choose Thomas. But overall, you get the Saints at home, perfect conditions. This is gonna. It's, it feels like this is gonna be the lion's share of their usage because this is what they've done all season. Especially and if you, especially if they're like, oh, this is the playoffs and, and Kamara is just gonna be able to field a few more snaps than Latavius Murray, right? Like, am I crazy here? This is this one feels very easy. I feel these guys are gonna be, especially on DraftKings, very highly owned. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I think the Saints, you know, they've been in this weird position all season where they've kind of been killing teams from time to time. We've seen them not need to lean on Kamara as much as many predicted going into the season. And, you know, when the going is getting tough, we know that Thomas and Kamara are easily plans A and B here. And while Breeze is good and he can, you know, check it down and doesn't necessarily have to lean on those guys, I'm with you. I think it's, I think you're actually getting a pretty good discount on both of these guys, which is a very unusual situation. You know, Kamara came into the season on FanDuel as a $9,000 running back. So I think the opportunities opened up here. I think they're just great plays. Kamara had real touchdown issues over the course of the season. That was not the case over the last few weeks. He scored four touchdowns in the last two weeks, including one goal line carry, which is important because yeah. that has not always been what they wanted to do. Latavius Murray did still get goal line carries as well. And I, that one goal line carry he got did feel a little bit like Oh, he just scored. He almost scored the play before, so let's get it to him. Um, I, I know teams don't really care about that when it comes to the playoffs. I don't think. 
Uh, but it was still good to see him get those down and close touches. Uh, I do think Breeze is close to a cash game guy, although I tend to always want to play the running quarterbacks, and you do get Wilson and Watson and guys like that. So that would be where I'd probably leave Breeze out of the group. But in terms of the in terms of the weekend, and definitely uh, for excuse me for the DraftKings for sure to maybe a little closer on FanDuel, just because at that it, there it is it is hard to find savings. I think that's the only problem when you're looking at uh, Kamara and Thomas on just the FanDuel slate is there's not an overwhelming group of cheap plays. And we also might have some um, just kind of news issues when it comes to the, the Eagles, which we'll talk about here in a second, because there is some value there, but uh, there might be some just like information problems that we have. Minnesota side, it looks like Dalvin Cook is good to go. It's a very bad matchup. Madison is questionable right now, and Mike Boone was decent in games that really didn't matter. Um, Cook probably talent-wise, I don't know, it's hard to say that, but is the best running back of the weekend. And I want to go crazy with the touches. I'm just a little worried about the injury, and I'm also worried they're just playing from behind this whole game. So what are your thoughts here on the Vikings side? I think I land with you in terms of being concerned about Cook. Uh, we know that the plan, if they are close in the game, is for him to touch the ball You know, maybe upwards of 30 times. And I think there are game scripts where that takes place. I just get concerned that if the Saints come down and score an early touchdown, that the Vikes feel pressed into doing things that they're not very comfortable with, which is uh, throwing the ball a lot. You know, that being said, we have seen a lot of games this season where they've really gone the other way and said, okay, Cousins, you're going to pass the ball between like 10 and 20 times, and we're going to lean on Dalvin and these other guys to try and get us home. So, you know, walking into New Orleans, I would have to think that the Minnesota game plan here is to not get involved in a shootout, and I think they will try and establish Cook early. It's just a problem of the Saints. You know, there's a lot of good defenses going this weekend. As you mentioned, the Saints do have the best rushing defense. Uh, well, I guess Philly actually has a better DVOA against them. But, you know, the Saints have a better rushing DVOA than New England, right? So this is a really, really strong rushing defense. And yeah, the, the car, it just doesn't seem to quite line up to make Cook your most expensive skill position player if there's all these other problems uh, with the matchup. And, so. I don't, and it's just hard to know about this receiving game, too. Look, we had a full season of Adam Thielen basically just being hurt, right? You have to go back to, like, mid-October for an eight-target game from this guy. And I, he didn't play for a long time, so I get that. But then the last few weeks were sort of throwaways for the Vikings as well. And so it's a little hard to know sort of what the passing game plan is. Diggs had a really good year. Uh, overall, it's actually, I forgot to start the other day that Diggs and Brown, I think there was actually one more guy, and I actually can't remember who it is now, were maybe the first three guys in NFL history to have more than 1,000 yards on fewer than 100 targets in a season. So I just thought mm. it was interesting, just kind of that speaks to just the big play op- ability of these guys, but they also aren't getting overwhelming target share either. So it's like a little bit of a weird in-between in terms of, and it's definitely if Dylan's there, it's tough to play digs and cash just because you're worried about the ball getting spread out a little bit more. And this is not a team that's really wanted to throw the ball, and they might be forced to do it this week. So Vikings, for there's a couple teams that are a little hard to get a handle on. I do, I do feel like the Vikings kind of fall into that category. Yeah, they're big tournament plays from my mind. I think any of these guys could wind up being the highest scoring skill position player on the weekend, Diggs, Thielen, Cook. And you're going to have no idea who it's going to be. And I mean, like Diggs' target share has actually been fine. It's just the fact that there are no targets to go around uh, in Minnesota that's been the bigger problem. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see a path to playing these guys in cash. All right, final, uh, final game here. Seattle flies across the country to play the Eagles. 
that right now Seattle is a one and a half point road favorite against a very banged up Eagles. I mean, almost like a historically banged up Eagles team. It's unbelievable the amount of injuries these guys have suffered this season. Uh, it just feels like every guy that started the season, like Wentz is the last guy standing. I think. Um, yeah. I think Wentz is the last. The I mean, Ertz. Well, no, if Ertz doesn't, might not play. So we're left with, and then so we so we have the Eagles situation with the injuries, and then we kind of have a not a similar situation because I guess we sort of got signaled what the plan was for Seattle in terms of where they were going to look in the running game after losing Chris Carson, and they'd already been without Rashad Penny. Obviously, Shine signed Marshawn Lynch uh, for Week 17, and they have Travis Homer. What do you want to do with this game? And are you concerned, especially from a DraftKings standpoint, that we're not going to have enough Eagles injury news by the time we lock on Saturday? Uh, and I and I get that it's late swap, but late swap's great, and late swap does is kind of meaningless when you start running out of options because the, you know you're just into the next game, right? So like every game that goes by that you don't have injuries. It's great to be able to late swap players, but you sometimes just run out of time. So what are your thoughts here on this game? I, another one that with the injuries and, and some other stuff, a little tough to get a handle on. Yeah, I, th- I think with the DraftKings situation, I, I think you're going to probably just do your best to, like when you're playing those, mostly Texans, I think, uh, on the Saturday game, make sure you put those um, in your fixed situations. Like don't stick them in your flex. Try to leave yourself as much flexibility as possible and try to delay your decision as long as you can but it will be tough because some guys like miles sanders if he gets a clean bill of health is almost an automatic play in our system on DraftKings. but obviously if he winds up not playing you're going to be pretty unhappy uh that being said i think whoever like if he's out like boston scott you can probably just play him right or you know in the case of zach Ertz, if he plays you can potentially play him if he doesn't goddard's been great right so i think you actually do have options within the same team and even if it leaves salary on the table I don't think it's going to absolutely kill you. So I do think it's uh, it could be worse, I guess, is my my general opinion there. But, yeah, it's it's going to be an uneasy feeling trying to fire this in on Saturday. And if you do, make sure you have Sunday available to make these late swaps because they very well could happen here. Now, Marshall Lynch got 12 carries in that, in that one game. He looked real bad, two, 2.8 yeah. yards per carry, and some of that stuff was down and close. There's the fact to be limited places to go. Travis Homer is interesting, though. Ten carries, looked really good on the ground, yeah. um, and then also had five targets in the passing game. That's the one I'm most interested in, I think, is the part where he's involved in the passing game makes him a good or decent D- DraftKings play at 5,300. Not a total lock because – it's still a little bit of an unknown, but it sure seems like he'd be more of the – he just has way more upside than Lynch, and Lynch has the touchdown equity, right? Um, and that's worth something, and I think I'd much rather play Travis Homer here. DK Metcalf saw a crazy 12 targets in the last game, was looked pretty decent. Tyler Lockett had seven. And I'm going through this game because it was like sort of, this was a must-win game for Seattle, or they really wanted to that's that win in the, uh, in the 49ers game on Sunday night. Um, DK Metcalf, a, a cash game play here with the 12 targets. It's, that's a little out of the box for what you can expect from him. Uh, and then give, go through Russell Wilson, and then we'll quickly roll through the Eagles situation. Yeah, I, I believe that that game against San Francisco was a case, not that Seattle was tipping their hand on where they were going to force things, but kind of taking what was given to them. And I don't think you can expect anywhere near, like, I, I don't think you can pencil Metcalf in even for double digit targets going into this game. And that would leave me fairly concerned to play him in cash games. You talked about this with New England earlier, but Seattle's been another team over the years that has, you know, they don't have any gods over there. Like It's like, you know, in the old days it was Doug Baldwin, right? You'd be like, ooh, Baldwin, 10 targets. He had two touchdowns last week, and then he would have one target the following week because it just wasn't there, right? And I think, you know, that's really good from a real-life football perspective. For DFS, that's not always where we want to be. So 
I assume people will play Metcalf. I wouldn't say I'm totally opposed to it, but just know he could get four targets this week too, and you shouldn't be overly surprised. I think people will play Jacob Hollister um, in some spot. Did see eight targets last week? Uh, and so in tight end, just a very weak position, if you, especially if you can't figure out what the Eagle situation is because yeah. uh, some of these other teams just don't use the, you know, Johnny Smith. They don't really use the tight end at all. So Johnny Smith had zero targets last week. Exactly. Well, um, <laughs> right. So there's just – I think there's, we're just in a weird situation where the tight end – that's where I think people will maybe not default to Hollister, but they will definitely find reasons to play him, especially if you don't know, if you feel uncertain around the, the Eagles. Uh, this could be the Eagles' uh, tight end situation. And it's not like a one-for-one one swap on their prices either. So once you've made that, if you choose to go with Hollister and the rest of your lineup is filled out, you can't you can't necessarily pivot back up to Goddard, right? So that's I'm only saying that from a, from a late swap perspective. And the Eagles side, we're going to have to wait on Miles Sanders' news for sure. Ertz is questionable. He's got a rib issue and a lacerated kidney. It's crazy to even think he'd be playing with this stuff, but he's questionable right now. Uh, there's the wide receiver situation is a total mess. I, I guess you could think about Greg Ward, although he didn't see a ton of targets last week. And then still, I think you can it's crazy with all these injuries. I still think you can actually consider Wentz in cash. Um, that's like the yeah. one, which feels nuts when it's like every single guy has been hurt and Wentz has still been able to perform sort of personnel independent. Uh, any other final thoughts here on the Eagles? Or uh, I mean, that, those are kind of my thoughts. I don't know if there's a lot else to say here. No, I don't buy Wentz in cash. I think he's cheap enough on DraftKings and the salary matters enough over there that every little bit of savings helps. And so, you know, the, like the where it's going to come down to is you're going to probably have to decide between do I want these like big splashy names or can I take more reliable guys so I don't have to play a $2,700 player? <laughs> and I think that's where it's going to wind up. Uh, one guy we didn't mention, actually, you're just talking about tight ends on the all weekend DraftKings slate. On FanDuel, when you're playing the Saturday-only slate, there are precious few tight ends. The guy that's coming up in our system right now is Jordan Akins, uh, who did have uh, seven targets in a totally meaningless game against Tennessee last week. But there are really no good tight ends over there. So that might wind up being a position where going as cheap as possible winds up being where you want to be, and uh, it's not going to be pretty. But, um, yeah, so just don't don't think you're missing someone who's really, really good over there. Because there's, th- no, there's no excellent play there. Yeah, so. no, that's a tough one. And final, final thought here about that is uh, just on the Sunday slate is if Ertz is out, uh, the Eagles do run a lot of 12 packages uh, with two tight ends. So Josh Perkins did see six targets last week. He, he'll get like all the, you know, Goddard moves up to the Ertz spot and then Perkins, they, they, they employ a lot of double, double tight end sets. So you can, you can even, I mean, honestly, on DraftKings, consider, because Perkins is so cheap, consider just stacking the Eagles tight ends if Ertz is out. Um, because Perkins is only really a value if that's the case. So 2900 on DraftKings, not a terrible price for a guy who could see five to six targets uh, just because of the way the Eagles roll. All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. You can go to DFSR.com slash deals and check out a free seven-day trial of our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL for the rest of the season with playoffs. And then obviously he's running through with NBA and MLB when it comes around, NHL, all covered under one subscription package, dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started. I'm losing my voice, buddy, because I'm so excited about the deal that you get. (laughs) Um, Enjoy your weekend of football. Peace.